This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered. We're going to be doing a little World Series here, but this time it's going to be from the vantage point of the Tampa Bay Rays. Dave Wills is one of their great voices on radio. Brian Anderson does television. The former pitcher and Arizona Dimeback who won the World Series, uh, the same one that Bob Melvin was on the staff in 2001 against the Yankees, and then longtime TV face and voice Dwayne stats this guy has had a wonderful career long time with the Yankees but he's been with the Rays forever so we'll talk a little Rays and Dodger baseball we'll start out with their voice on radio here is Dave Wills well Dave the last time we talked to you you were in San Diego you're now in Arlington it's the World Series I know you guys are down but there is still a chance you guys have been playing some really good baseball we've been doing a lot of things right I mean I think you know again leading up to the World Series our pitching had been very, very good. Our bullpen had been, uh, you know, almost locked down from about the sixth inning on. Our offense was sketchy, uh, but uh, you know, again, somehow, some way, we just figured out a way to win some ball games. And uh, after jumping ahead 3-0 on the Astros, uh, we had a tendency to do this all season long. We made things interesting, and uh, fortunately, we were able to win Game Seven. And now we're taking on a Dodgers team that, uh, you know, it's almost a mirror-like team, although they're about five years into the mirror, you know, it's, uh, they got, they, they, you know, brought up a lot of guys that have been with them for a while now and uh, added Mookie Betts, obviously to the equation uh, this year, but uh, you know, they've got a lot of guys that play the game the same way we do. They're just a little more experienced. And so we got a taste of that in game one. I think we were a little, uh, I don't want to say uh, in awe of the, of the experience, but it was our first time playing in front of fans. It was our first time playing in the world series. And I think uh, Tyler Glass now pitched like it. And some of our guys played like it, but then came back in game two. Uh, got beat up a little bit in game three, and then game four was one for the ages. And then yesterday, we just couldn't get the big hit when we needed it. Uh, we had a chance in the fourth inning. I think we had Kershaw on the uh, on the edge uh, for each of the first four innings, and he had a first and third situation trying to protect the one-run lead. And uh, the first batter, for me, always sets the tone in those situations. And Joey Wendell, who I love, got jammed on a pitch, which, you know, a Hall of Fame pitcher is going to do that to you every once in a while, and popped out. Willie Adamas has had a tough time at the plate. He struck out on three pitches. And then I have no problem with Manuel Margot trying to time the move of, of Kershaw, but uh, credit to Kershaw. He was able to sniff it out, step off the rubber without blocking, and throw him out of the plate. And that was really our last chance at scoring. I mean, we've watched stuff that, I mean, uh, we've seen uh, throughout the playoffs from you guys. We've seen a sack bunt. We've seen a, yeah. a try to steal home. And this is, uh, welcome back to what baseball used to be. Yeah, which is kind of surprising because we're kind of anti-bunt. Uh, we we didn't have a bunt uh, all regular season long. I think we were one of three teams that went through that. And uh, 
there was a time in, in one of the playoffs, I think it might have been against the Yankees, uh, where uh, they put the bunt on for Michael Perez. Or I think it might have been against the Astros. He put the bunt on uh, for Michael Perez, and uh, Perez uh, didn't get the first two bunts down, and then on 0-2 hit a home run. And uh, so, you know, it's it, it's crazy. We've seen a little bit of everything. I don't think Kevin called for the uh, steal of home. I think that was all on Margot. But, you know, we're, we're a Rays team that's going to try and beat you in different ways. Uh, it's hard to believe that when you look back at the record books when this uh, playoff series is over and the World Series is over, the Rays are going to be a top the uh, home run total for uh, a postseason, uh, and and I, that's not the way we're necessarily built. We've got a lot of guys who can ho- hit home runs, but uh, I think we've relied on the home run a little too much so far here in the postseason, and especially here in the World Series. So we've got two more chances. I'd never count this team out. Uh, you know, there there's been a lot of people who are saying that the Dodgers are too good, but uh, we've gone toe to toe with them now for five games, and I'll take our chances uh, at, at winning these last two games. We talked to your buddy, uh, Brian Anderson, and I think he made a great statement, which I, I think us in California probably understand more than everybody else. I mean, we're, I mean, just last week, we were finally allowed here in Northern California to go into restaurants, uh, 25%. And I, I just think about how the Rays had been in San Diego. They got to take their bubble now to Arlington. And now you're playing in front of fans for the first time. And Brian was really eloquent about it. Just like, you know, the just the difference in the world you've been living in to where you're now to the Dodgers, completely opposite. They've been in Arlington for weeks. They've played in front of fans. They've been in the same uh, clubhouse. It's like a home away from home. So just talk what that, what, you know, from San Diego to Arlington, what's that experience been like for you guys? And to now finally have fans in the stands. Are you talking about our Brian Anderson who does uh, TV for the Rays or the Brian Anderson who does TVs for the Brewers or the T- uh, TNT? <laughs> I'm, talking about, I'm talking about your guy for the Rays. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. B.A. Uh, you know, it, it's been different. I mean, even, even from a broadcaster standpoint, uh, being in San Diego, you know, we're, we're a little more open in, uh, in the state of Florida, obviously, than uh, some of the other uh, areas of the country, whether that's good, bad, or indifferent. That's what for people to determine. But then we get out to San Diego and um, you know, the restaurants were closing at 10 o'clock. It was mostly only outdoor seating. Um, it, you know, it really was kind of different for the players. Uh, you know, I think there's only about maybe 18 to 20, 24 uh, family members who have joined the team uh, to be in the bubble. So a lot of these guys now have been separated from their families for over three weeks, which is something that uh, they never, ever do. So it, it's been a little awkward. We were just beginning to make San Diego feel like home. Uh, went in there and uh, beat a Yankee team and then took uh, seven games to do it against the Astros. And then you come out here to Arlington and, you know, we're back in familiar territories, the team staying out in Las Colinas, I believe, which is where we uh, usually stay when we come here. But um, again, restricted to the property and uh, can't do a whole lot uh, other than, uh, you know, hang around the property, maybe go to breakfast or, you know, go to one of those social areas where you can kind of chill for a little while. And then on a bus, you come to the ballpark and it's a ballpark we've never been in. Uh, we, we were able to get a quick workout in the first day we landed after, uh, you know, for just maybe an hour or so. So uh, it, it took maybe a day or two to get acquainted. Now, the, the one thing uh, that I think helps this team is the fact that the turf here in Arlington is very similar to the turf at Tropicana Field. So uh, we didn't have that kind of an adjustment period that I think teams have when they come into the trap, especially those who might only play there one a, one, once a year. And uh, I believe it always takes at least a game, game and a half for people to adjust the speed. Uh, but Kevin said, too, that the infield dirt might have been a little harder than it is at Tropicana Field. But all in all, 
you know, again, like I said, after that first game where I think we, we did look like a team that hadn't settled in yet, that well, there was the newness about it. I think since then, I think we've been fine. Uh, a lot of fans are wondering why the Dodgers get the advantage. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for us, that's just the way it worked out. But, uh, you know, again, I think when you win 43 games, they had the best record. They probably should get some kind of a benefit to that. So uh, I don't think the field has really, uh, like, played to one team's advantage or the other. Both teams can hit the ball out of the ballpark a little bit. Hey, this Dodgers team is just deep. They're really, really good. And uh, it's going to take a, a pretty good effort by the Rays to get by them here the last two nights. You know, I know this is going to sound weird, but, you know, for my audience, like, we can't go to football games. We can't go to baseball games. What was it like broadcasting with fans in the stands again? Was it weird? You know what? It, it really, really wasn't. Uh, it, you know, it's been nice to, from what I understand, they're only pumping in a low line of, uh, of, of the, the fake crowd noise, kind of keep a constant hum going within the ballpark. Uh, but the Rangers uh, have done a pretty good show uh, with, you know, again, Chuck Morgan being their PA guy and, in charge of game presentation, and uh, they've done a real, real good job with that. Uh, the, the Ranger people that are handling the fans, uh, you know, they're in pods of four. I think they've done a wonderful job uh, in, in hosting this event. Um, it's been nice to hear some emotion. You know, I think, Chris, when we're doing uh, play-by-play, uh, you know, at home especially, there were a number of times this year where there was like a big moment and you're rising with your voice and getting all pumped up about it. And next thing you know, you're realizing there's nobody there to make you have to rise your voice even more. Um, we had to do it a little bit in San Diego uh, for the first time that I noticed anyway, uh, that the people who were putting together the game presentation there, they were using uh, effects that they would increase and decrease as the play would go on and uh, really kind of made it sound like actual fans were there. So I think, honestly, after playing the seven games in San Diego and broadcasting the games from down there and, and hearing how they handled that, it prepped us for having uh, almost 11,500 fans here in Texas. It's been fun. It's been good to see human beings cheer and chant and, and get into some games. And, uh, hey, they've been treated to uh, five pretty uh, uh, entertaining games so far. Well, that walk-off win, I mean, that's one of the craziest we've ever seen in the mm-hmm. history of baseball. I mean, calling the play-by-play for that, I mean, wow. You know, you, you listen back, and, you know, Andy had the main play-by-play. My broadcast partner, Andy Freed, had the main uh, call for that. Uh, it was his ninth inning on that particular night. And uh, right before – um, you know, Brett Phillips came up. He was a local kid. Didn't even wasn't even on the roster in the LCS. And uh, I just said, you know what? Hey, miracles do happen. Uh, you know, and, and maybe just maybe we'll get one right here. And all we really need is a single. We don't need a homer. We just need a base hit to tie the game. And lo and behold, um, you know, he, hit, he hits the base hit out there to right center field. And my first inclination is to make sure that KK got a great jump off of second base and was going to score. So. That's really what I was watching. So I didn't see Taylor bobble the ball. I saw, I saw Kiermaier score. I saw Rodney Lerner as, as Randy Rosarena was rounding second, heading to third, continued to wave him home. That's when I looked up and I noticed that Taylor uh, had thrown the ball into the first baseman. And I'm thinking, what's going on there? And next thing you know, he kept, uh, I see a Rosarena tumble and do a somersault. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. He is going, he, we're going to get a, a guy out between third and home because he tripped on his own helmet. Um, and and the, the, the running joke about Randy Rosarena most of the season has been that when he loses his helmet, it's a good thing because that means he's running in the second or running in the third base. Well, this time he loses his helmet, it hits him on the back heel, and he stumbles because of it. And the, the ball comes to the plate. I'm anticipating a rundown as he starts heading back to third. Then the ball gets away, and Randy goes uh, gets pointed back in the proper direction 
and scores the run. Uh, and, and then to see Brett Phillips elation, uh, it, never ever in my wildest dreams could you imagine a game in the World Series ending just like that. And, uh, you know, again, there, we've been through some craziness. Uh, we, we had game 162 back in 2011 when Evan Longoria, you know, hit a home run to make it 7-6. to six, And then Dan Johnson comes up and hits the home run with two outs and two strikes to tie it. We had one of those moments uh, uh, this year, too, with, uh, you know, Mike Rosso hitting a two-out, two-strike home run against uh, uh, Aroldis Chapman in the ALDS. So, uh, and, and the funny thing about this, too, is Dan Johnson threw out the ceremony of first pitch before game four. So that all brought us back to, are we going to have a Dan Johnson moment here, maybe with Brett Phillips? And sure enough, we did. You know, Rosa Rain is playing like an all-time great. I mean, what he has done this postseason, I know there's extra games, but still what he's done and breaking records, is he really this good? I think I, I, I don't know if you can maintain this, this pace throughout a 162-game schedule, but I think we're finding out that he is a really, really good player who uh, might only get better because he still has some uh, uh, rough edges around him as far as, you know, his game is concerned. And, uh, you know, right now he's, he's made the adjustments as the postseason went on. Uh, he was turning around fastballs early on. Some pitchers then tried to get him with some breaking pitches. He's hit those out of the ballpark. They pitched him in. They pitched him out. Uh, he's getting base hits. He's not just hitting home runs. I mean, here in the postseason, in the World Series especially, I know people are sitting there going, well, maybe he's not quite as toasty. He's still hitting 333 uh, so far in the post in this World Series with a couple of home runs. Honestly, we would not be here uh, in Arlington, Texas, if it, if it wasn't for Randy Rosarena and Dusty Baker. Um, I, I to this day, I still don't know why Dusty Baker kept on pitching to him in the last three games of the ALCS when nobody else on this team was hitting maybe outside of Manuel Margot. I mean, I would have made anybody else on the Tampa Bay Rays beat him. Uh, over those last few games, and especially in game number seven. For whatever reason, Dusty Baker let his pitchers keep on pitching to him, and I'm thankful that he did. Let's end on this. Give me the blueprint for the Rays to win the next two games and bring home the world championship. We, we just have to, we have to challenge these Dodger hitters. Blake Snell showed what he can do for the first four innings in going after Dodger hitters. He was uh, maybe not as efficient as you would like. He, you know, Even in the one, two, three, fourth inning, I think he threw – 21 pitches. He's got to avoid deep counts. He's got to go after him, make a pitch when he needs to, and keep him in the ballpark. We've had trouble. Uh, as much as we've hit home runs, our pitching staff, I think, has given up uh, 30 home runs so far. I've got to look that number up uh, in, the, in, in the postseason. We've given up 11 home runs so far in the first five games of this World Series. So uh, keep him in the ballpark. Same thing with Charlie Morton. you got to look for a you – know, we're, we're not going to get there by a game four blueprint, I don't think. We cannot go out there – and expect to beat the Dodgers eight to seven. We got to try and beat the Dodgers four to two, maybe even five to three. We know they're going to score some runs, but we can't help their offense out. And I think we've been doing that a little bit too much so far through the first five games. We've been walking way too many batters. We have twenty three strike, uh, twenty three walks in the first five games. Um, that's just way too much. So anticipate us throwing some strikes, uh, and, and then we got to get the timely hit. Uh, you know that kind of we, we had six men lead off the inning in game five uh, with either a single or a walk, and only one of them came around to score. I'm not sure of the metrics. I used to hear it was about 45 to 50% of the time meet off people who reach score. Uh, so if we had you know, done our usual 50%, we might still be playing or we might even win that game. So I think we got to be a lot more opportunistic offensively. And then I just, I'd like to see, if, if you're going to go down to this Dodger team, let them hit the ball out of the ballpark, but not, don't, don't start giving them free passes because that just gets you into more trouble. 
Well, I got to tell you, one of the cool things MLB uh, radio on uh, Sirius XM, what they've been doing is airing your guys' broadcast. And uh, no offense to the national guys, but it's been a real treat because you, you can also listen to it uh, on the XM app. Uh, whether it's in your car or on your phone, it's been really great listening to you guys. Your broadcast is outstanding. So it's been a lot of fun. Good luck to you guys. Hopefully two hey, more wins and bring home the World Series. That'd be great. And, hey, thanks for the kind words and uh, love joining you guys. Thanks, so, thanks for having me. From Dave Wills to Brian Anderson, as we said, he was a part of that 2001 Arizona Diamondback team that won the World Series against the Yankees. Always love catching up with the former pitcher. Brian, it's great to have you on the program again. Have you been down there in Florida? You know what? I, I, I've been great. I, and certainly, uh, you know, this has been a nice ride, ride for the Rays. I've been enjoying every bit of it and get a chance to enjoy an off day today and uh, then head into game three tomorrow. So everything right now in my world is fantastic. You know, we've been talking about Tampa, just, you know, how it's rocking right now. I mean, you got the Stanley Cup champs. You got Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and you guys in the World Series. It's like Tampa's become the mecca of sports. You're absolutely right, you know, and the pressure continues to mount. The Lightning got it done. The Rays are on their run, playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, the city's buzzing about that. Obviously, Tom Brady, uh, Rob Gronkowski coming into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that is a team that is going to be very scary. And then at the very end of it, regardless if they, if the Buccaneers are able to get it done, the Super Bowl this year is in Tampa. So there is a, a lot going on in this part of the country, and yeah, people are excited. Well, I got to tell you, you know, after game one, of course, everybody wants to panic, and you know what it's like to win a championship. You know, it's, it's, it, this is a seven-round fight, and I really thought the Rays did an unbelievable job getting off the deck yesterday and getting that victory against the Dodgers. I uh, could not agree with you more. And, you know, I would go so far as to say, I don't know if I can remember, at least in, in my opinion, uh, a bigger must win in a seven game series than yesterday's game two. Because if the race somehow dropped that game where you knew that Dave Robertson, listen, he was going to be afforded to be very aggressive with his bullpen because he had a game in hand and an off day coming up, obviously, today. So he was going to be able to throw out there whoever he wanted to after Tony Gonsolin. And the thought was, with Blake Snell on the mound, if the Dodgers somehow take that game, that the confidence of that team is going to go through the roof because now the Dodgers are sitting there saying, we're up two games to nothing with an off day, and we've got our ace going in game three. You, you talk about being put in a tough position, and that's why I thought the Rays absolutely had to have last night's game, and I thought that enabled, you know, to be able to do that, Blake Snell was going to have to be good, especially early, and the Rays needed to jump out to an early lead, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, and by the time Blake started to stumble a little bit, at that point, uh, you know, the, the Rays were up five to nothing, and so, uh, you know, they were able to ride that out to a win, but that was that was a, uh, a must-win game for the Rays, and now you start to feel like they're energized. Uh, they, they figured out a way to beat the Dodgers. They have the day off today to enjoy, you know, where the Dodgers have Walker Bueller, the Braves or, or the Rays have uh, Charlie Morton, and so you've got an epic pitching matchup tomorrow night, and the guys feel like they're right back in it and ready to go win this thing. You know, you, you were around one of the craziest, most exciting World Series of all time with our guy Bob Melvin 
when you guys took on the Yankees in 2001 and whether it was Arizona was rocking and then, of course, what was happening uh, with September 11th and then going back to New York and then just, I mean, and then beating Mariano Rivera. Now I think about, you know, the only difference what you got now at this alternate site in Arlington is whether you're going to be wearing gray uniforms or your home whites. What do you think that's like playing in a neutral spot compared to of the World Series you played in? Well, I mean, it's it's uh, it's hard to really describe. You, you know, you'd have to ask the guys that are actually playing in it. If it was me, you know, at this point, these guys are, are kind of used to that bubble. I, I think it's still surreal um, and, you know, and strange not to be able to, to go back home. And you're right. It's just the different color jerseys. Are we up first tonight or are we going to be up last if we need to in the ninth inning? So it, it's a very strange uh set of circumstances that at this point I think these guys are used uh, to but I thought the one thing that was interesting coming into this series where the Rays were really you know you talk about being behind the eight ball before the series started you know you have the Rays who had one guy on their team with World Series experience and that was Charlie Morton who will obviously start game three outside of that these guys have never been there that's number one number two they've never been in Globe Life Park a brand new stadium down there in Arlington, they've never seen it before. So they're in a stadium they've never seen before, never been in the World Series except for one guy, and they hadn't yet played in front of fans. Where on the flip side, the Dodgers have been to three of the last four World Series with that core group. They have been familiar with Globe Life Park because they've been there for two weeks. And oh, by the way, they've been playing in front of fans too because of uh, Texas uh, being more open than obviously than, than California. So the Dodgers, with all that experience, um, really you know had an advantage there early on, and, and it looked like that in Game One. And I think that's why when you mentioned earlier about the panic, especially nationwide, you started to you know get the feeling that most people thought, are the Rays even going to get a game in, in this series? But last night they counterpunched brilliantly, and they're right back in this thing. I'm so glad you brought that up because of, of, of the the scenarios. Because when I've brought it up to certain people, they've kind of poo-pooed it and said, that's ah, not that big of a deal. But, yeah, think about it. You know, like even for the A's and the Astros, playing at Dodger Stadium in front of no fans, then 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 down at Petco you have the ALCS, no fans. And, yeah, the Dodgers have been camped out in the same essential resort and they've been playing at this ballpark in Arlington, how they should feel so much more comfortable with this bubble, as you mentioned, playing in front of fans. Like, I thought that was a huge advantage. I was surprised. I'm glad you said it because other people thought, ah, not that big of a deal. No, big, big deal. Real big deal. And, and like you said, they've been camped out there. They are, uh, they've been entrenched in that home clubhouse for the, literally for, for the last two weeks. And that ballpark, there are some nuances to that ballpark. The cutouts um, in the outfield, uh, the lighting, you know, the way that, that, you know, picking up the baseball, you can't get a lot out of that in a workout. You know, and the Rays, the first time that they got a a look at that was their first game there, where the Dodgers had played how many games there? I mean, 10, 11, 12. And so, uh, you know, yeah, that's that's a huge advantage. And for anybody to suggest otherwise, they're just not understanding uh, the situation. And, and even in speaking with some of the raised players, they said to be able to come in 
you know, granted new ballpark. It took some getting used to. We're still not as comfortable with it, obviously, as the Dodgers are. But to get to play in front of fans again, in front of an atmosphere, and even though, you know, from all reports, it's, you know, basically three to one Dodger fans uh, there down there in Arlington, it's still the buzz, real crowd noise coming out onto the field. And I know the race players are very, very excited about that because they have not seen it since last season. You know, the number one thing that we hear about Tampa, and we got to talk to Cash down in uh, San Diego at the winter meetings, it, it, it's about buying, getting everybody to buy into the, to the philosophy, especially the relievers, because you know you're going to go to arbitration, you're going to be in free agency, you want to have the numbers because you get paid off your numbers. Now all of a sudden, if you're the best reliever and you're coming in the fifth inning, you're not going to get some of those numbers that you would really like to have when you're trying to make more money. So just talk about how the buy-in, it's real what they do and that you really have to – you got to sacrifice at times your numbers – for, for what the Rays want you to do. It, do, it doesn't work if you don't. That, that's just the bottom line. If you do not sacrifice, if you are, I would describe the, the Rays as a team, one of the most selfless teams that I've ever been around because of what you're talking about. And if the buy-in is not there, if guys are grumbling because they're not getting their safe opportunities, they're not getting their at-bats, they're not being put in a situation to enhance their numbers in a way that is going to allow them to make more money, then it crumbles. It doesn't work. It falls apart because you've got a team that is really almost working against itself. And that's where the Rays do a great job of not only being able to um, evaluate talent, acquire talent, and bring in guys that maybe have been pushed to the side by other organizations, but the Rays realize hey, he's got a tool or two that we really think that we can enhance and we can put him in situations where that is going to work out for us. They're not only good at doing that and building a roster off of that, but they bring in the right kind of guy because they understand that. Now, this guy may have some tools that are going to help us, but we also aren't real sure about his character and we can't afford to bring him in because it might upset the balance. And the Rays have a very high character team who uh, they have bought in to the Rays way of doing things. They're very selfless, very team oriented, and it literally is all about winning. And what do I have to do to help get the team to win? Get a save, go in and get the last three outs in the ninth inning, or come put out a fire in the sixth inning. I'll do whatever it takes. And that's where the Rays have 28 guys uh, that are more than willing to do that. And that's why they succeed. And I'll tell you what, I always say our, our organizations, almost, we're, we're like twins. We have like the same issues, right? We have the same issues <laughs> off the field. We have the same issues on the field. We hit home runs, strike out a lot. But the one thing that I've noticed about the Rays and the A's and the last few years and all this winning, it's defense. And we got two guys that are going to be up for gold gloves. Uh, Matt Olson, once again, our first baseman, and Ramon Laureano, our center fielder. Just talk about what you see and the similarities between the A's and the Rays. And a lot has to be the backbone is great defense. It is. And you're right. These, these two franchises, they really mirror each other. You know, build good pitching, um, you know, starting pitching right through the bullpen. Um, you know, personally for me, I'd like to see the Rays be able to put the ball and play a little bit more, you know, too much on the strikeout, especially when you get into the playoffs, you've got to be able to move the baseball. In fact, you know, last night, really the turning point at bat in that ball game was Manuel Margot with two strikes 
you know, shooting the ball the other way, a, a true two-strike approach, which you don't often see nowadays, and that got the Rays, you know, rolling in, in that ball game and allowed them to, you know, put more runs on the board. So, I, you know, I, I think that that's important. But you know, these organizations look: how do we win games? You know, we we hit some home runs, we have enough offense, but then you look at the other side of things, and it's the run prevention. And so it's not just about the pitching staff. We can have the best pitching staff on the planet. If we don't have guys behind them that can catch it, eh, it doesn't do us a whole lot of good. We can have the best wide receivers, running back, and quarterback, you know, in the world. If we have no offensive line, they're not going to be able to do their thing. And it's the same kind of principle. And so they, they find guys that can defend and defend at an elite level. And you're right. The A's do a great job of that. And the Rays on the other side, they've been putting that on display really all the way through these playoffs. Some of the plays that they've made, you're shaking your head like, are you kidding me? These guys have been near flawless uh, defensively, and that helps out that pitching staff. It keeps the opponent's run total down, and then just score enough. Just score enough and move on, and that's what they've done. You know, let's end on this. You know, we all need a day off every once in a while, but I really liked when we didn't have days off. Every single night we got baseball. Uh, You know, the Rays took advantage of that because they've got great depth. The Dodgers have great depth. How did you like playing a series and not having a day off in the series? Um, You know what? I, I, I speak for myself. I absolutely love it because it really forced the managers to utilize their entire 28-man entire roster. And they, everybody had to get involved. Everybody had to chip in if you wanted to win and move on. And so it, that spoke to the depth of an organization and, and, and not just riding a couple of hot players, especially when it comes to the pitching end of things. You know, with, with the way the playoffs are normally set up, um, you can ride two or three hot starters and a couple of relievers all the way through. Well, you, you couldn't do that now. You, you, you'd wear these guys out and run them into the ground. And so it really changed the strategy of the game um, overall. I think we've all seen that. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I would probably feel that, <laughs> that the managers and the players would have liked an extra day off here or there because, you know, they really have been run right into the ground at, at a, you know, in postseason baseball that is, you know, I remember my first taste of postseason baseball. I, you know, got out there and, and you're, you're out there for batting practice. And that's when I realized, you know, there's actually another level to Major League Baseball. You think that Major League Baseball is the ultimate? It's not. It's Major League Baseball postseason. And it's, it's a grind on you mentally and physically. Um, and it's just baseball played at another level that until you experience it, you really – you really don't understand it. And so without those days off, I know these guys were thrilled to have today off finally, because remember both the ALCS and the NLCS went the full seven games. So these guys were just grinding away in the Rays, of course, against the Yankees went five straight. So they had really been, uh, you know, just, just running, running it into the ground, but that's the name of the game, you know, this time of year. And, And so these guys are, are uh, you know thrilled to be there? Obviously happy for the day off, but you know the long answer to your question. I, I loved it. I loved every day going. Okay, how are they going to do this tonight? How are they going to do this tonight? And uh, it's fun to watch. Hey, we always appreciate your time. Good luck to you guys. We're we're, we're pulling for you. We're American League and uh, Rays fans all the way. So hopefully you guys will pull this out and uh, let's talk in the off season. Hey, let's do that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
from Anderson to Dwayne Stats. Dwayne Stats, we always have him on when the A's are taking on the Tampa Bay Rays. Longtime TV play-by-play man. Here is Dwayne Stats. Dwayne, how are you? Welcome back to A's Cast Live. Hey, great to be with you. How are you? I'm just looking at everything going on. You got the Stanley Cup champs. Tom Brady's out dueling Aaron Rodgers, and you guys are in the World Series. I mean, Tampa and St. Pete have become the sports mecca in our country. Center of the universe. <laughs> it's been really great. It, uh, it has been unbelievable. Uh, just the fact that, uh, you know, anybody this year with everything that's gone on has gotten uh, any kind of season end, much less uh, postseason. I think is unbelievable, and uh, I think we could all use it. And I know uh, we could here in Tampa Bay. So it's been it's been a great run so far. Yeah, and when I I, I know a lot of people were worried about when you expand the playoffs, but uh, speak to this: we have the number one seed against the number one seed. Well, uh, you know, it's it's um, I don't know what to tell you except it was uh, written in the stars, and this is going to be a great series between these two clubs, you know, to figure out, number one, how to get the season in anyway. And there were a lot of naysayers at the outset, and somehow they did it through, you know, a, a number of clubs had some some very special uh, challenges to get there. And now um, to get down to the, uh, to the World Series, I'll tell you, I really was impressed with that whole playoff uh, and postseason format. I, under the circumstances, I don't think it could have gone any better. Well, I agree. And, and I think for us as baseball fans, just how great was it to have baseball basically every single day? Yeah, I love that. I, I You know, I'm not sure the pitching staffs always did, but uh, I, I, think, uh, I, I think they did a great job to get this thing to where it is now. And I'm really looking forward to – to uh, this uh, World Series. So down, I, it seems like a million years ago, but down in San Diego at the winter meetings, we got to sit down with Kevin Cash, and he is so smart, so engaging. You can see why he is a great leader. And the number one thing I think about him is, is you got to be able to get buy-in. Everybody's got to buy-in because not every move – are, are the players going to like? Guys don't like to lose innings. Guys don't like to lose at-bats. Just talk about his leadership style and how the kid from Tampa does get everybody to buy in. Yeah, I think you're you're right on uh, the mark there with Kevin, I'll tell you. And from the very beginning, I you know, we've all been around a lot of teams, a lot of years, a lot of seasons. And I think the buy-in begins at the very beginning when, when they open spring training and – you know, you're going to have a 40-man roster. You're going to have 25 other guys there as invites or whatever they're going to be. You're going to have a lot of players in camp. And I've never seen a team uh, be able to pull off what they have in terms of getting the buy-in. Obviously, this year, 28-man rosters, not everybody obviously is going to be on that roster. But the guys who came to camp, and whether it was years past where they'd go to the minor leagues and this year, you know, go to the camp, they all felt that they would get their opportunity to play. And that was the message that they've always sent here at the beginning of spring training. Whether a, a player breaks camp with the team or not, 
they fully expect that player who is sent out to show up at some time during the season and contribute to the major league effort. And I think that's the point. And we get a lot of guys through here who you're disappointed if you don't make that final cut to begin the year, but they know it's a long season and, and they have been ready. I mean, one guy after another, they've been able to come up and do that. So I think the mentality starts there. And I think really the biggest challenge is the one you mentioned where you've got a starting pitcher and, and maybe he goes four, maybe he goes five, sometimes six, but the real challenge it's when he goes four and two thirds and has to leave. And that's a challenge. And they've managed to work their way through that. You know, I, I you know, watching the, the Rays from afar, I just get a sense of mental toughness that after a while you get tired of the Yankees kicking your, you know what, at Yankee Stadium. You get tired of the Red Sox beating you. You get tired about uh, hearing about your payroll. You get tired of hearing about Tropicana Field. Just talk about how mentally tough this group is based off everything that, you know, I just said that they've had to deal with for the past couple of years. Yeah, you know, I've been here from the beginning to watch uh, the futility and then the success that they've had recently. And um, the 08 team was interesting in that it it started to mature the year before. You could see a little bit of that. And they mixed in some veterans there with some pretty good young talent. And and that whole process has continued over the next decade where this club has been pretty competitive year in and year out for a decade, not always getting to the postseason, but being contenders. And this year's club was really interesting in that, um, you know, you, you look at Charlie Morton, uh, you look at Kevin Kiermeyer, and, and Kevin almost by default was a veteran type player here. And you had all these young guys and they were just going for it. You know, they felt uh, they could compete. Uh, there was there was enough success in their backgrounds, I think, that they felt they could contend with people. And I think the point you made about the Yankees is very important. You know, a couple of years ago, uh, the club was still transitioning and and the Yankees, you know, would stand up. And I, I think this year, uh, when the Rays answered that call, I think that was really important, particularly down, down at the end of the 60-game schedule when they had that little uh, get-together. I, I think that was a big lift for this club you know, it's just just as if you're saying I'm I'm not going to take it anymore, and um, and I think that helped them to coalesce into the group they've become. You know, we've been joking even on an off day. A Rosarena probably still has two hits. I mean, this guy, okay. I, he's, he's 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 come out of nowhere. It's I mean, chasing down Derek Jeter records. I mean, what has it been like watching this kid? I know. I I thought uh, Eric Neander. Uh, post game the other night had uh, he, he said, "Look, we knew he was pretty good. We had no idea he was this good." You know, when they made that deal with the Cardinals, uh, they I think they felt he was going to come up and and they would hope he would develop. But it's you know it's one of those things where a guy gets hot and things start to roll, and we've seen that you know from time to time in the history of the game. There have been a few World Series heroes like that. They just get hot at the right time. Uh, the deal with him, though, from, you know, he, he had to overcome. He got COVID, was isolated, and then 
found himself eventually with the club looking for playing time and and you can see talent there there's no question there's ability there uh, no one i think saw the kind of postseason coming that he's had and i'll tell you they're really fortunate that he has done what he's done because the guy they expected to hit uh, brandon Lau, is hitting about 120 and i think the rest of the lineups around 160 so they really they really needed a Rosarena, and he's been he's been the story, no question about that. How do you think they match up against the Dodgers? Well, I, it's going to be really interesting. I, I think I think going in, the Dodgers are going to be the favorites, which uh, doesn't doesn't phase this Rays team at all. You know, the Dodgers have been there; they still have something to prove. You know, trying to get that big win in the postseason over the last uh, handful of seasons. And and so they're going to have plenty of incentive. I, they have Mookie Betts, who arguably, you know, all things considered, when everybody's healthy in a full season, you could argue he's still the best guy around in this game. But the Rays, uh, the the Rays will play their game, and I fully expect them to be right there. Uh, I mean, every pitch of this World Series, it's an upstart bunch. Uh, they're they're a talented group. And they believe in each other. They pick each other up. So I, I think, uh, and, and in fact, I really think when you look back at the Dodgers when in the old days when they had that great pitching and not a lot of offense, great defense, you know, they were a scrappy bunch. And I, and I think in the modern era where we don't rely upon hit and runs and sacrifices and all that the way those clubs did, we still rely on pitching. And we still rely on good defense in this game. And it's, you know, the long ball more than uh, more than it used to be. So I, I think um, while the Dodgers will be the favorite going in, uh, I, it would be difficult to bet against this Tampa Bay club. I, I think there's enough here that uh, we're going to we're going to see some enjoyable baseball all the way down the line here. Well, I got to tell you, when you guys laid down a sack bond, I had to like pause my my DVR. I had to rewind it. Did I really just? Did I really just see? It? Did that just really happen? I mean, you had to be shocked. Yeah, well, that's the only one we've seen all year. And I'm going to tell you, the other side of this, the stolen base. You know, people are a little a little uh, squeamish on uh, using uh, the running game, and the Rays didn't run a lot, haven't run a lot. The first part of well, the first 30 games hardly at all, and then the, the second 30 games of that regular season, they implemented the stolen base. They figured out they have some guys who can who can pick up an extra base here and there that way. And so I think uh, based on who's going to be on the mound and who might be behind the plate, that's still a part of their game, which is a little bit of a departure, which I still make uh, make the point that in that way, uh, there is some resemblance back to those those Dodger teams in the olden days. And I think they're just a scrappy bunch the way they are. So, you know, you could say, you know, if you go way back in baseball history, when the Dodgers were trying to battle the Yankees, trying to get to the world series, you know, this, this could be like a reenactment of that. Only the Rays will play the role of the old Dodgers and the Dodgers are going to play the role of the old Yankees. And so we'll, uh, we'll see uh, a world series battled uh, tooth and nail right down to the end. 
you know, getting to the World Series and winning the World Series is huge for any organization, but especially organizations that are trying to get a, a new stadium. What do you think this run is going to do for the Rays? I'm not sure if it's going to be in St. Pete. I'm not sure if it's going to be in Tampa Bay. Uh, I haven't really looked into it in a long time, but what do you think this run will do for them? Well, you know, there are a lot of unknowns uh, b- before the whole COVID and what's happened to the economy. There were unknowns then. I think there are greater unknowns now. All I can say about that is a season like this certainly cannot hurt. And what we're hoping that, and baseball has filled this role a lot and historically in, in our society to, uh, to help us get through some of these uh, situations we've, we've seen through the years. I certainly hope that this is going to be one of those situations. And I, I, I think this market is a viable market. The problem is, uh, if you get right down to it, uh, there's great enthusiasm here. Our, our TV numbers have always been consistently very good here, uh, even against other programming in the market. The problem has always been support from the corporate base and there's not a gigantic corporate base and so i'd like to see this market grow in that area and if they could continue to do that then this is a a viable market but that if in the final economic analysis i think that's going to be it you know and there's been a lot of talk about a split season with montreal and here and other places but you don't know how uh, how this covid situation has affected all of those markets either. So I guess the only answer to your question is I'd like to look at this optimistically and say this will help this this franchise catapult itself in ways that it had not before economically, which would be great. But the truthful answer to that, I'm not sure anybody really knows. I'm not sure people know in a lot of areas of our economy what happens when we finally come through this uh, pandemic so we're going to wait and see, but I'll say this, this will not hurt at all. This is a major positive and a step in, in the direction we all want to go. Let's end on this, because obviously yesterday's game, uh, the Packers and the Patriots was the big national game, so everybody got to see it. And it's still weird for me. I don't know. Is it weird for you to still see Tom Brady in a Buccaneers uniform? It, it does take a little getting used to that. And I'll, and I'll tell you, just a personal aside, my son-in-law is Dan Wheeler, who pitched for the Rays and a couple other clubs as well, and the Astros for that matter. But he's a New England guy. He's a Rhode Island guy. And he's been a Patriots fan forever and was the biggest Tom Brady fan of all time. And now that Brady's left the Patriots, he's kind of abandoned them. So... <laughs> I, I was really surprised to see that because it's a strange sight to see Brady in uh, Bucks uh, colors. No question about that. Well, you know, we always look at the Rays like, like like a twin brother. You know, when you think about the A's and the Rays on the field, you think about the same issues off the field as we're trying to get a new ballpark here. So we're going to be uh, sticking with tradition and rooting for the American League, and we're rooting for you guys. And it's always an honor to have you on the program. We appreciate it. and Good luck, and uh, hopefully you're going to get that World Series. Hey, I'm honored to be with you, and we're looking forward to it. And if we do, we'll, uh, we'll reconvene. and. Uh, celebrate together on the air oh that will be great take care and be safe okay grace be good 
Well, it was a heck of a World Series, no doubt about it. We had it covered right here on A's Cast and A's Cast Live. We'd like to thank Dave Wills, Brian Anderson, Dwayne Stats. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 